This Season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. Musicbed represents over 700 indie artists and composers with record label quality music for you to license. Also, check out musicbed.com for more information on their subscription service, giving you unlimited access for all your projects. As a good listener, you can get one month free off any subscription type. Just head to musicbed.com good and use coupon code good at checkout. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Licensed stock footage from world-class filmmakers. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com. All right, Jordan, I'm currently recording, so don't say anything that um, you don't want the entire world to hear, okay? <laughs> Jordan, um, uh, yeah. last time I saw you, um, we were in New Orleans, and you were kind of like, had some things teetering, like some uh, future jobs and stuff, maybe like a TV show that you were thinking about. Um, but then like, it felt like the next thing I knew you were shooting spiral. You know what I mean? It was so, <laughs> such a crazy sort of, um, climb. I, can you give me like a, you know, a series of events of like what happened in that time? Like what, what how did that come about? And that was um, a wild ride. Uh, yeah. and thank you so much for coming on board that journey. It was an incredible growth factor for me in my career. Um, I finished, we finished doing that job in New Orleans and I went back home and wasn't able to continue uh, for foreseeable reasons. And in that moment, I had to realize like what was on the line for my career. You know, I wanted to be able to travel a lot more, but I wanted to kind of select the work that I was doing a little bit better. I wanted to be a lot more mindful of where I was spending my time. Mm. And um, so I, I was offered an opportunity to travel and I said, you know what, I need a break. I need to really just go somewhere. And I took a trip to Thailand for a month and a half. I backpacked, just like booked a flight, bag of film, two pairs of like pants, a couple pairs of boxers and a backpack and, and went to Thailand. And I ended up in Bangkok, no idea where to go. Um, stayed there in a hostel for a couple of days because I wanted to feel the presence of real people yeah. a little bit more, um, just to kind of manifest what I wanted with, with better intention. I feel like I wasn't very clear of the direction I wanted to take because I've been wanting to do all these things. And um, I did that, went to Chiang Mai, did a silent meditation for 10 days in the hills Wow! and came back to North America and was really questioning who I was more so than what I did. Mm. Because in North America, we're always questioning, what do you do? You know, um, in, in Southeast Asia, it was more about who are you at the core, at your root. And so I kind of tapped into my spirituality a little bit deeper and then an opportunity presented itself to shoot my first feature film. So I took that um, in between taking my first feature film, I released the 15 years of dreads that I had carrying on my head, which transformed me even further into this idea wow. of manifestation. Yeah. Um, I did my first feature film called Cinema of Sleep in Winnipeg. Uh, it was directed by Jeffrey St. Jules. It was an experiential art house film which was amazing. It was in studio, one camera, and it was a great experience in that moment. Um, and then that was completed. I ended up coming back to the States to do a commercial. And I remember my agent just calling me saying, hey, when are you back home? Because I have a really interesting uh, interview for you. And I said, okay, I'm coming home in a couple of days. What is it? Can you, can you give me any leads? He's like, I can't give you any leads, but I think it's worth your time. Wow. I was like, okay. And I remember walking into the meeting and it was a cine space. And I walk into this, 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 this office and there's a bunch of saw posters lining the hallways. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this is, 
this is kind of cool. I knew the director I was walking into. So I was like, oh, I'm meeting Darian Lynn Bowser, and this is going to be incredibly interesting. You know, this yeah. is a, a super accomplished uh, director. And I had been kind of anticipating a project of this magnitude, but not of this magnitude. And I remember the first feeling of like walking in and then him just being completely transparent with me. It's been like, I really like your work and I want this to work. I would, I would love to, you know, make this movie with you. Uh, but I need a lot of, I need, I need to trust that you're the person that's going to tell this movie. And in that moment, I just had like clarity. I knew that it felt like we needed to make this movie together because they were looking for something new, fresh, you know, yeah. they didn't want the traditional approach. And I was, my whole career has been extremely unorthodox. So we approached that with sincerity. And he asked me how I would approach some scenes and on the spot I had to answer those questions. And um, what, were, into, what were some of those questions yeah, that he was asking yeah. you? Remember, correct? He was asking how I was going to approach some scare scenes uh -huh. and like, how would I approach it? You know, and I was just, I have to read the material. It's like, what if, it, what if you don't have the material? What, how are you going to approach this, the scene? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was, it was hard to put on the spot. Like this guy's a super directed saw two, three, and four. So it's, it's hard, you know, and yeah. I had to really think about those answers. And it was just more about approaching with, with more sincerity with the camera. It's not about the sound as much as it is about how we're moving the camera. Is it, is it more robotic? Are we letting the action drive the scenes? Um, is it wide lens? Is it a tight lens? Are we close on their face? Do we even see them? Do we see what they're looking at? And I forget what I crafted in the email, but I remember the reply was a contract. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess he appreciated the approach. You know, and we spent a lot of time just asking these questions. What is, how is, how are we making this movie differently? Hmm. You know, you have Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson, Max Mangella, Marisol Nichols starring in this movie and, these are characters that you would never see in a Saw franchise. Yeah, um, right. So being entrusted by the studio for me was it was huge for my confidence. It was huge for my my thought process in terms of I can do a big budget movie coming from a ten thousand dollar background. Right. You know. <laughs> I mean, from that email, like from getting the contract to shooting it, how much time was there? I came in late, so we had about five weeks to prep. They wow. had about 12 weeks to prep and I came in because they weren't, I had to join the union and everything in Canada to, to do the job wow, Crazy. and they wrote the letter and yeah, they gave me complete They literally got me into the union for the job. And I was like, wow, wow this is, they, you really want me. Um, so that, that I was super grateful. I was talking to the EP about it last night. I was like, I'm so happy that you guys changed my life. And um, so, yeah, we, I had to come in, get familiar with the whole infrastructure of that world um, in a short period of time, interview everybody. I had five weeks to basically prep the material, get up to speed with the production design, and then get to know my crew while constructing these these massive sets um, that we're going to be shooting in five weeks, six weeks. And it was a little difficult because we had two shooting schedules. One if Samuel Jackson was going to do the movie and one if he wasn't. And we found out maybe seven days before our first shot that he was going to do the movie. So we had to completely change our <laughs> shooting schedule. Wow. So just everything that you could possibly think about, we had to experience in the time period. You know, two cameras, something I hadn't had much experience working with. So I had to entrust my camera operator, my steady camera yeah. operators to really be my eyes on the floor. Um, and just the sheer scale of the schedule, you know, jumping back and forth from 
the block shooting. So we had six or seven different blocks that we had to kind of memorize. And I had to familiarize myself with the franchise rules of, mm. of Saw. It's not mm. just a movie. It's a franchise that has specific right. characteristics that you have to establish. You for know, something you like that, have, is that, is that like research that you're doing? Or is there like a Bible for, for that? There's There's kind of a Bible. We were lucky enough um, to have all of the material in the studios and we're working with all of the teams that had been working on the previous films already. Cool. So we're able to entrust their history and ask them questions in regards to why is this light this color? Is this right. an effect? Like, is this, is this a, like there's no flickering lights in the Saw franchise. There's, there's flickering lights in the Saw franchise, but they're purposeful. You can't just throw them in for aesthetics. It, it right. has a meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so the director and I really wanted to kind of consider these things when approaching it, but really make it new, make it, make it something fresh. So we wanted to make this film feel like the hottest day of the summer. Yeah. So interesting films um, like Seven was a huge inspiration, huge influence in making this film, um, Do the Right Thing, and how Spike Lee enjoyed, you know, making the whole palette a little bit of a warm texture. Um, glycerin, everything had to be con- engulfed in the space. So art department had a had a field day with with making sure our space was always busy with with texture. Yeah, you know, there was a. I wanted to ask. There's you have this. Um, you're one of the only DPs that I feel like I've seen like really, and we've talked about this many times, but like really um, baking in a look when you're shooting with stuff like that. So I was going to ask like with their them being so specific on things, were you able to do the things that you wanted to as far as the look baked in or not? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, we had, we had a, a lot of conversations about how dark was it going to be? Cause mm-hmm. the director, Darren was just like, I want to make this dark. Like, don't be afraid to embrace the dark. And I remember one day I was lighting a scene for an, uh, it was a nighttime exterior. And the only thing lighting the scene was a flashlight in Samuel Jackson's mouth. And I remember I was, I was pushing the ISO or I was overexposing the image a little because I was like, this is a little dark. And my gaffer comes up to me. He's like, burn the nag, burn the nag. <laughs> and I was, I mean, the director, we were talking, he's like, is it there? Is it there? I was like, it's, it's definitely there. We're just committing to the look. You know, is this, is, we talked about yeah. this and we were very, we're very secure about this. Um, because we had really crafted the script was made to look the way that we felt it needed to in terms of the look, baking in the look was a little bit, it was it was a, it was an easy fight in a way, and having our onset DIT, he was able to kind of adjust the levels to ensure that we were kept containing all of our information. Um, but I, I tried not to stack as many filters as I would for a music video because I didn't want to over stylize the movie, right? Because it it would just feel too, in my opinion, gimmicky for what it didn't really need. It just needed some warmth, you know. But for like for much. like the daytime exterior stuff, it looks it look has this like incredibly warm almost like wetness to it i I was going to ask how you guys pulled that Mm -hmm. off technically like is a lot of that sort of um you know a colorist on the back end or how much of that is no that was actually like most of it was practical like we like i said we we really talked about this in prep to make sure that everyone looked like they were sweating the whole movie so in the car scenes where sam and max or uh, chris and max are drenched in sweat you see their armpits are profusely uh, hum- uh, permitified it's like we we did we did this on purpose so it's almost like um, a piece of art direction at that point you know it's yeah like, it's yeah that's interesting hmm. yeah so we we all myself tony cowley 
David Sparks, Darren Bousman. We all stuck so close together. We we did lunch every day. We were we were a unit. You know, we really really had open dialogue about how we wanted to tell this movie. Um, it was what, great. What, what roles were those? What the guys that you just named off? Was that was that uh, production designer? Okay. Yeah, production designer, uh, AD, myself, director. Gotcha. What what was the the ramp up time with working with someone like Darren? Like the you know getting over some of the um like you know, anxiety self consciousness yeah. yeah 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 what was that like to feel like you could kind of um hold your or own what, what kind of mind games were you playing with with yourself sort of leading up to it or <laughs> yeah what was the way that you got through uh, that uh it was it was interesting for me honestly i won't lie to you guys i'm i i'm a big believer in manifestation trusting the belief i believe in god my whole belief is in god starting from god's plan like i manifested that 10 years before it happened hmm. and then it happened so I just said, you know what? Take the wheel. I have to trust the process. And I remember walking into the interview. To be clear, you mean God's plan, the Drake video that you shot? God's plan, the Drake video that okay, I shot. Okay, cool. Just for our listeners, just to make sure <laughs> they understood that part. All right, cool. Keep going. Abs- absolutely. Um, I knew that walking into the interview, I was either going to win or fail. But whatever decision that was made after I walked out was the decision that was meant to be made. Right. So it allowed me to not feel so much anxiety going into the experience. Right. Of if this is for me, I will get this. And if it's not, I won't. I, this isn't. This wasn't the one. Right. And for me, the the biggest, I I had two moments of complete clarity on that project. The f- first one was day one of our shooting schedule. It was an underground parking lot, and our call time, I believe, was eight o'clock. I was on set at five o'clock. I was there before anybody was even awake. I wanted to just go there, be in the space. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to think about where the sun was going to move. What potential obstacles could we ever foresee? I wanted to have a plan for absolutely everything, as much as I could control in that moment, because unsure of how the day was going to go, in my opinion, in my experience, I just wanted to be prepared. And I was very prepared because things arose and I was able to kind of jump on it before it caused a problem. There was a bunch of cars that were parked in our parking lot that were there left overnight from past people in the parking lot that didn't move their cars, and we had to get them towed before our first shot Hmm. and that was like a it was a hindrance because we had to think man day one we're off to a start but that was that was why i went early to foresee any problems the second was day five day one of mr jackson on set and you know samuel jackson is arguably one of the greatest actors of all time um probably the most recognized and iconic so i knew if Samuel Jackson's going to be in front of me, I have to perform. I have to make sure that I'm ready. And I went to set an hour early and two hours early and we're lighting. And I remember the EP bringing Sam over and he was like, I want to introduce you to somebody. And I was like, not right now. Like I'm lighting. Cause I was just, I wanted to make sure this was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Like it had to be perfect in as much as I could control. And we're on set and Sam and Chris are sitting down and, uh, he goes, you ready now, mother? And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. Like, <laughs> it was just a, it was a moment where I realized I was, <laughs> I was, I was so in, I was so in the zone that I didn't like nothing around mattered. You know, I think we, we speak about being in the zone a lot about that, that fight or flight mentality. And um, yeah, it, the, no anxiety was felt in the moments of clarity where it was like, I'm here to do a job. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what's the, what's the obvious, I mean, sort of 
biggest difference between um, shooting a, you know, not to knock any actors that you've worked with before, but shooting a, an actor that's doing a job as well. And then shooting sort of icon, like an iconic, you know, um, person in the, in the film industry. You know what I mean? What's the difference Absolutely. to you? Well, the biggest difference for me, I, I learned a valuable lesson from Max Minghella on this project, on Spiral specifically, because he was, he's in one of my favorite movies, The Social Network, is probably yeah. my yeah. absolute number one favorite movie for all reasons. So I was very impressed by his performance. But what I was more impressed about was his preparation. Mm. He had, um, I think it was like a five minute monologue scene. And I remember in prep, we were talking about his experience working with David Fincher and what that process doing 99 takes was like, you know, mm -hmm. being able to really become a method actor, but you are now the character when you're performing these scenes. Mm. And he, I remember him performing one of his monologue scenes and he reset himself like six or seven times without the camera cutting. Cause he knew what he needed to fix before the director could give a note. And he was just so sure of his performance wow. in that moment. And I just learned the, how difficult it is for, for actors to really yeah. have conversations outside of their characters and then step on set and perform. So it allowed me to really think, like, when I'm speaking to these actors, I have to be very open-minded to the, to the result. Like, they are very powerful humans to be able to control their mind mm -hmm. and how they approach their scenes, you know? So really trying to limit the amount of conversations that we're having around them that's not the script yeah. and not the, yeah. the subject really taught me like the importance of ensuring that a you know what they're doing for the day because you know what headspace they're stepping on the set with versus a smaller film that doesn't have as much um risk they can get in and get out in two or three days where right. someone's doing a five or six month show like that's that's a different headspace you know right yeah do you have any um chris rock stories <laughs> Just any, we, yeah anything interesting he's, with chris i hear that he's like um actually very different from what you think he might be he is he's a little bit more shy he's a little bit more yeah he is himself from from my experience with chris he's he's really really funny obviously yeah. but he's he's just a funny person he also travels with an incredible team of writers so everything that Chris Rock says in a movie, in a show, anything is scripted by his team. Anything. He's very meticulous wow. on how he, he's very aware of how he comes off in his jokes. Mm -hmm. He's very aware of how he comes off in his conversations. He's very collaborative in the process of making the scripts. Like he questions everything. Why am I doing that? Why is he doing that? Does he need to be wearing these shoes? Does he need to be doing, I would do it like this because of this, this. He's very meticulous in how he approaches um, his, his movie. Or this movie specifically, um, he cares a lot about his his uh, his team on the floor. He looked after a lot of the characters by just helping them, just in what he needed. You know, if he needed them to amp up the performance for him, he would ask that of them. Um, and I thought he was an incredible leader, being being leading in this movie for us because he knew exactly what he was coming in against. You know, it's very difficult to block shoot a series of events that happen that allow you to lead up to something else at the end of the movie and we were all over the place with the shooting schedule and he had a lot of responsibility being able to channel different emotions throughout the shooting schedule this season of good is sponsored by musicbed we had the chance to sit down with their ceo daniel mccarthy to talk about why musicbed exists and how they're helping creatives further their craft we felt like there was all these indie filmmakers and a ton of indie musicians and they needed each other 
Um, like we all know, like the best films are a marriage between the moving picture and music. I view it as an ongoing ecosystem that continues to, you know, increase the value of art. That continues to allow artists to support other artists. Thanks again to Musicbed for sponsoring this season of Good. As a good listener, you can get one month subscription free if you go to musicbed.com slash good. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Here's their CEO, Daniel McCarthy, again on what makes Film Supply the best stock footage resource for films. The footage being licensed is the footage coming out of passion projects from filmmakers, and, and it's because it is the most authentic, cinematic, and it's, the, it's all the stuff that all the filmmakers have put all their blood, sweat, and tears into, and it shows. Like, you look at a clip, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a motive. I want to use that. The guys that just go out there and shoot a day for stock, like... That's not who we are. I mean, that's not what we're about. Like, we're about helping filmmakers fund passion projects and seeing the footage from these passion projects actually get used in commercial ways. Thanks again to Film Supply for sponsoring this season of Good. With Film Supply, you can license stock footage from world-class filmmakers like El Ginter, Diego Contreras, Masio Frost, and more. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com. I'm curious, yeah. like with with um, just like kind of what the vibe was on set between, you know, shooting a horror movie, but then also having Chris Rock <laughs> be there. I'm curious, like, you know, uh, which way did it lean? I guess was it like an intense set because of the subject material, or did it kind of lean like lighter because of of who was on set? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think it was a bit of both, um, mainly because. Chris is in a Saw movie. So he's going <laughs> to, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be funny when things are funny. Right. Yeah. But the severity of the, the traps are so gruesome that they're, 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 they're not, they're scary, but they're just, they're horrific. Like they're, they're really impacted by the dynamicism of how the movie plays out. Yeah. Like you have comedy where it needs to be comedic. Yeah. pun intended and then when it goes horror gruesome it goes very soft franchise like very down that line where there's an interesting level of duality that allows it to be a unique a unique project in itself i guess for you i'm I'm curious um waking up you know I, maybe not every morning but most mornings going to set knowing you're going to see somebody's arm get you know, detached. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good whatever. question of, of the practicality. Like how, what is the, what's the your headspace? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm curious, like what you wake up every morning and, and go in and know kind of like what you're walking into. Can you kind of detach yourself from, you know, what's happening in front of the camera or does it kind of uh, inform where you're death. at personally? Um, I, I, I didn't really like horror movies going into it. Like yeah. I wasn't a horror buff. Yeah. I like thriller, so I, I kind of approach right. it from a more thriller esque aspect. But it I knew going into it it was it was it was trap day. And trap day is like a real day. You know, everyone comes in their button ups, like it's it's a real it's a it's a it's a reunion for them. And really? they take they take yeah, they take great pride in their traps. Um wow. so I wanted to kind of just be a part of that 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 beautiful family that they had. And yeah, like they, we take it very seriously. The safety precautions that they take for these, yeah. these traps is incredible. The measures that we go through for safety is huge. Um, so there's, I mean, a, there's extra time built in for that. Oh, they're very, like how, very 
accurate. <laughs> like <we've> been, <laughs> wow. They are there. There was um, there was a couple there was a couple VFX things done where we made like human like replicas. Um, are very gruesome. The blood is created by our special effects supervisor. Um, yeah, they're very real. It feels <laughs> like and some of them. Some of the some of the uh, some of the models moved. Like most wow. of the models moved, so you could. It wasn't like a fake hand or something. It was like you would pull strings and the heads moving left and right and the arms going. Wow. I was gonna say when you look at it on camera, you're like, that looks real, you know. Yeah. Um, there's no VFX. It's, it's all practically made. Right. Most I was gonna ask made. how much of the what's like the reset like like uh, how do you guys build in that kind of stuff to the more gruesome stuff? So it would depend on what was on that block of shooting for the trap days because we knew that the resets were gonna be an hour, two hours for certain resets. Wow. So we would just try to cover other scenes with other actors while we were doing the traps so that we weren't wasting time waiting for the reset. Yeah. Or if we were, we would do all the coverage first and then we would do all the gruesome stuff last. Or we right. would like start with, start with something, start with a, like a big bang is what I will call it. Start with a big bang, clean everything up, shoot some of the scene before that happened and then do it again so that we can get another angle or another approach to it. Right. Wow. So yeah, there was a there was an interesting way to how we could schedule it. Also, the amount of resets we had, I think for certain shots we had like three or three resets. Some shots we had like five resets, but it would depend on the trap because the traps yeah. are progressive in their nature. So there's cutaways between the events to allow us to shoot each trap in a sequence. You know, so it's not like you're just blowing something up. Um, right. You set it. That's you set it up to be blown. So yeah. It, yeah, it allowed us to specialize in how we were doing our or shots. Jordan, I know you've worked on some sizable sets before this, but, um, you know, kind of being behind the camera, looking through the viewfinder and having like a, you know, art department that's pulling this kind of stuff off. What does that feel like? I mean, I guess in contrast to maybe some of the music video experiences that you've had or whatever to just have like that level of craftsmanship, like all around on set. Um, it made me really grateful. Um, for having the experience working in music video because I was, I'm able to kind of adapt to any environment that I'm in. So relying on the production designer art department to kind of take what's in my head, let them know where I'm thinking in terms of the practicals, what fixtures do they look like? What color is it? um, What texture is it? Having that ability to be so aware of how directors think um, allowed me to go to the the teams, production designers, art department, special effects, and request specific things for what I thought was going to work for the palette. And seeing the sheer scale of what these people were pulling on these jobs, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, And how much time they had. They didn't have much time, but there's like a, there's a village of people that are pulling these, these, these objects and items for each set. But the amount of work that they put in, you never see the production designer on set. You'll see him building sets like three weeks beforehand, but then he's yeah. building the next set as you're shooting it. Right, right, right. You know, so having an on-set dresser and explaining what type of things you're looking for just helps them allow, right. it allows them to work a little bit better for you so you can shoot what you need to shoot. Yeah, I would just imagine like, you know, as these traps are kind of unfolding on screen and you're sitting back watching it all unfold uh, on the viewfinder, that's got to feel pretty insane. Oh know. my god, yeah. The best <laughs> feeling is when you see people like looking away or like the director's got a <laughs> yeah. seven inch monitor right up to his face and he just like 
he's feeling it, you know, he's, yeah. he's in it. He's, he's yeah. really invested in this, in this franchise. And yeah, I had the pleasure of being by his side, watching him take me through this world and this journey that he'd That's been cool. on from 24 years old. Um, wow. just to share that plat that stage with him was, it was for me, it was an honor. Jordan coming in on that. Obviously this is like a, you know, it's a shift in the franchise. Like it's almost like a, a relaunch of the franchise in a lot of ways as far as stylistically and characters and whatnot. But like, coming in at this phase of the franchise and you see sort of the Bible that they give you, or you doing your research, you're watching the other movies. Like what was one thing that you said, like, I'm going to put into this, like, I'm going to add my thing, um, whatever it might be. What was one thing that you added to the, to the mix? The, the biggest thing was like, when I, I, when I watched and studied and did research on the eight films before the one that we did, there's I didn't want eight? to take any. There's eight films. Yeah, this is the ninth yeah. Saw movie. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, the ninth iteration. So I knew right off the bat, being the ninth version, I didn't want to bring anything from the past into the future. I wanted to completely know what was done and bring nothing with me into the future. Wow. So everything that I wanted to bring was going to be a new version of what it used to be. So. And how I approach the framing, how I approach the lighting, how I approach the textures, the qualities, um, how I approach the tone of the show had to feel like someone who would come from music video. So there's Dutch, there's long one takes, there's interesting like points of reference in the film where you, you can tell that I shot it. Um, our close-ups are shot in a specific way. Um, it just had a, it had a narrative of a dynamic approach. Whereas I feel like the other films, because they were usually in a smaller space, this was the first Saw movie that had ever been shot outside of the studio. Mm. Um, and they've all been shot in Toronto, Canada. So being my hometown, it was kind of nice to be able yeah, to shoot cool. where I came from, you know, yeah. and lock down the streets that I grew up on and yeah. have friends like taking pictures while they're watching us on like Spadina or something. It was nice. It was. It was. It was a. It was a. It was a feeling more than a technical approach. Yeah, I can. You know, I can imagine that feeling. You know, obviously a lot of pressure, a lot of nerves and stuff. But it, it's. You know, I'm glad that you. Um, you know, from a perspective of like, if it, if I get the job, then it was meant for me to have, which means that my sensibilities and my tastes and yeah. everything that I like is what is right for this film. So therefore I can kind of just be myself, you know? Absolutely. Um, that's a, I think I can see a lot of different DPs getting in that situation and just crumbling under the, <laughs> under yeah. the, uh, the weight of just like, how do I like, well, I, you know, I, I've had, I had maybe, I don't know, nine or 10 calls with mentors just getting me through it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had a very difficult time being ready for it like i didn't think that i was i was questioning it at first i was like man am i ready for this like this mm. is really big i haven't done yeah. something like this before yeah and i relied on my mentors to be like look you've done it all already you've done this before this isn't the first time your back's against the wall your whole career right. has been built off of this so being that underdog in every environment is kind of i find much more comfort in that now where right. i have to actually prepare myself more than if i went into the thing right. went into the opportunity feeling like i was number one you know, yeah. I'd rather be the 10th person that gets the opportunity and then actually does a good job because the pressure is there. You know, the right. whole, everything is weighing on me. I have the entire angels, I have the entire union looking at me like, who is this guy who just came out of nowhere and got a, one of the biggest jobs shooting in our city 
he's never shot a day on a union job before. But did you carry some of that um, anxiety or, or no, uh, no, no. I remember having my first office and I walked into my office. I had my name on the door and I had uh, the PM scheduling all the interviews for all my, my crew and everyone that came into the room, I closed the door and I said, Hey, look, I'm just letting you know, I don't have an ego. Um, I'm here to do a job. I'm looking for the person who's going to be on my team and allow me to work at the level that I want to work at. Yeah. I have expectations. Can you meet me at the level that I'm looking to work at? And I set the tone right off the bat. And I, I let my gaffers and my key group know, like, I'm depending on you to allow me yeah. to rise to the occasion. I'm relying on you to teach me what I don't know. Yeah, and if I don't know, I'm going to humble myself and let you know that I'm, un- I'm unsure of this decision. But I'm not coming in here thinking that I know everything. Right. Um, and having that transparency with my crew allowed me to really find um, a, bo- a great bond with them all. Because we really shared great stories about our life, our luxuries, our trials and tribulations, and trying to figure out how do we just allow this project to be what it's meant to be. I mean, along the way, you're going to have your, 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 your bumps and hiccups. But as long as you're able to verbally communicate that there's something that's not working, how do we move forward? Um, that's one thing that I try to bring with every job. I know there's a lot of things that go wrong, but we don't have time to sit and dwell in the past. We have to move forward, you know? Yeah. What was one of the biggest takeaways making the jump to a feature this size? Something that you learned that you'll carry to the next film and the next film? Reading, reading the script. Like yeah. before when I read a script, I would read it. I would have an idea of it. But then reading the script and breaking it down in scriptation, the app that I use to just take notes and really breaking it down chronologically. Where does all the acts take place? Where's your ins? Where's your outs? What are Mm -hmm. all the characters telling you per scene? Like, what is it saying in the scene? What is the the focus of each scene? What do we want to show the viewers? What perspective are we looking at the scene from? And if it's over the shoulder, if it's dialogue and it's cut as over the shoulder back and forth, can this be shot in a way that doesn't make it feel so conventional? Right. Um, And that's definitely something from Spiral that I learned that, I'm, I'm happy that I had that experience that was really, really large in scale because it was a, it was a big task and I had to cut off everything in that moment. I had to like my life outside of that didn't really exist because I wanted to devote enough attention to that as well as burning out. Um, burnout is a real thing in feature yeah. films. I never understood it. And I remember during the time when I was, I was prepping the show, I had entrusted James Lagson as my mentor and he was just telling me like, be careful with how much time you invest yourself into the project Mm. because you are going to be a part of it for the entirety. You have to be there for a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, you know, I was explaining to him like, what's your diet? Like how, Mm. what's your sleep regimen? What's your work life balance? How much time are you um, on the weekends? Do you watch movies still, you know, reading books? Do you meditate? So it was good to have people that have done this before um, be able to provide me with the knowledge and the skill set to mentally be ready for these opportunities. That's amazing. Um, as far as your as your prep, I'm curious. <clears throat> you know, I would imagine if I was in, in your shoes, kind of gearing up for a project like this, you're probably just like overworking, over prepping, trying to get like your head around everything. Um, what are you looking back? What do you feel like was kind of maybe a waste of time and what do you wish you'd done more of in prep? 
a really good question. Uh, this is weird to say, but I wish I prepped more. Yeah. Like as much as I prepped, I could have prepped more. <laughs> I mean, I was ready. Is like a threshold <laughs> of being prepared enough, or I would imagine. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So? Like, okay. absolutely. Like, for instance, we storyboarded right the whole movie. On the day, it, it means very little when you realize that that's just not the way that this is going to be shot. Right. right. It can't be because it doesn't feel authentic to the story. Because the person making the storyboard and the time that the storyboard is being made is being made without my consideration majority of the time as yeah. well as the locations aren't confirmed right. Right. sets aren't being built how does the how does the trap even work yeah you know and, and until those things are figured out on the not on the day but on the scout on the tech you can really lock down how you're going to approach but allowing the room for you to just feel on set is the best thing that i learned on spiral because the pressures of executing a shot list on a feature film depending on for this job specifically it was it was better for us to feel what it needed than it was for us to follow that hmm. surgical shot list. Yeah, right. Yeah, why, like why do you think that was? I think mainly because there's excitement. There's it's like the stock market. You know, you, before you invest, you have to be really sure of it. But you never know what's going to happen. It's either going to go the way you want it to go, or it's going to go <laughs> completely the other yeah. way. Yeah. You know, and you have to you have to narrate your risk to reward. You have to know what you're willing to put in for that for that uh, execution. And I think that um, the shot list at times is considered without the actors in mind yeah. because they have a, they have a process too. That's a good point. You know, if we're blocking a scene out and the director has an idea of how he wants to block it, but the actor who's the actor, the character in the script is like, he wouldn't do that. She wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. That changes everything. Everything yeah. stops in that moment and the conversation now gets begun and the director and the actors are talking about what they feel is right. And then they come back to me and say, hey, that plan that you had, we need to completely change it. They want to come from upstairs. You got to move right. that whole setup. And right. you just have to adapt. <laughs> do, you, do you feel uh, energized by that? Or do you feel like, um, whatever the opposite of that is, do, do you feel like, I guess, do you like having to react and adapt? Or is it frustrating with all the work that you put in on the front end? It has its moments. Um, <laughs> yeah. It has its a solution. Because, and it's like, this is yeah. awesome. Right. It has its moments too. Cause I, I'm like, I'm a big fan of hard work, but I'm now a believer in smart work and I don't want to ever overwork my crew. Yeah, I want them right. to trust my vision. I want them to trust my leadership. And if I'm asking them to do something four times, I didn't know what I really wanted. And I'd never want to make my crew doubt my direction or my director's direction. So as many communication, as many lines of communication that I can have before a decision is made, allows that decision to be better spent. You know, because we can save half of our day by talking about the possible opportunities, the outcomes, yeah. instead of having this one plan. What if it rains on an exterior day? We didn't think it was going to rain at all. Yeah. What's our backup plan? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tough line to walk. I feel like we could talk about this shit all day. <laughs> um. <laughs> the 
Don't forget, this season of good is sponsored by Musicbed. Go to musicbed.com to check out over 700 indie artists and composers with record label quality music. And remember, as a good listener, you can get one month free off any subscription type. Just head to musicbed.com good and use coupon code good at checkout. This season of good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Licensed stock footage from world-class filmmakers. And do not forget to take advantage of features like shoots and scenes. Craft an entire narrative with extensive collections featuring the same talent and settings. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com.